looks like someone got oh yeah um but yeah it was a it was a good conversation and i was uh i was glad we got to get together is your sister does she still think that masculinity in general is toxic or is she coming around she's definitely coming around to it i think that the more that she's exposed to the proper type of masculinity the type of masculinity mm-hmm. that you're a servant to your community and that mm-hmm. God has given you masculinity as a responsibility and you're, yeah. not, you're not bragging. You're not saying I'm the boss. You're not saying yeah. I'm in charge. You're saying, uh, you know, God's given me this role and then I'm mm-hmm. going to humbly lead and I'm going to be a servant mm-hmm. to my family and to you. Mm-hmm. And then it's hard. Like who doesn't want to hear that message? Yeah. You're like, that's actually what is good. You can go the Andrew Tate route where if you're domineering, no, that is toxic. Yeah, that is. You're domineering and aggressive, and in the absence of good men, that's what men become. They become, for lack of a better term, a holes. (laughs) You know, we'll just start this podcast off strong, calling, you know, firing from the hip. Yeah, fire from the hip. No, it's good for men to be strong and brave and servant and out to protect those around them and to be good, like good examples for what men could be. Mm -hmm. Nobody wants a wussy soft man and nobody wants an aggressive selfish disgusting andrew tate kind of man have you heard of this guy andrew tate i have i have man i i didn't heard of him until he got arrested and then i hear his name all the time and i heard that he was popular and i was like whoa yeah wow we have if we have we have failed men as a culture if that's the example that they need for permission to be who they are like whoa nuts nuts well everybody this is my good friend brian brian say hello how's it going everybody thank you thank you keaton for having me on you're welcome for a while brian has been an encouraging man since i met him when did what year did we meet was it like we met before the pandemic we met before the pandemic I started getting plugged into Red Rocks more consistently in mm-hmm. January 2021, right after That's right. it opened. Yeah. I think right around the time I started serving at YA was the time I started mm-hmm. leading a group. And I think that's when you and I became. That's right. That's right. Because you were the first person to come to my office and for a, uh, a group leader interview. Yeah. And we got to talk. And I don't think we talked about small groups once. And I saved your name in my phone as Brian YA good guy. (laughs) And I don't think, let me check. I don't think I have changed it yet. No. Yeah. Brian YA good guy. Haven't changed it since. I don't even, we talked about all sorts of stuff. We talked about the Northeast because that's what you're from New York. Yeah. Was that that we were in? Yeah. It was at Arvada, the Arvada campus. Yeah, you came from work right up. Yeah, I remember just looking around at how many books you had and just being kind of blown away. And then we eventually got down the rabbit hole talking about Theodore Roosevelt. Oh, uh, yeah. Almost if I can find a way to get a conversation to Jesus or Theodore Roosevelt, it's going to happen. Yeah. Like, it's going to happen. I'm kind of obsessed. Have you read his autobiography? I mean, I'm sure you read more. I have read half of it. I actually brought it home to read this weekend it's my it's up on my next book my list of books to read i've listened to half of it but i wanted to read it yeah we uh we're doing a book club uh some of the some of the people at my office and i want to think about throwing 
Theodore Roosevelt's autobiography into the ring. Autobiography? Yeah. Okay. Have you read it? I have not, but I've heard good things about it. It's good. There's points of it that are really, really, really awesome. Yeah. There's also points of it, if you don't know much about his life or the, the politics of that time or the culture of that time, kind of like, meh. But that's any book. He has some great speeches about his dad, about what he thinks is good for men, justice among the nations, like what it means to be righteous. Yeah. yeah I love that guy. His He wrote a book called Fear God and Take Your Own Part. I did a podcast on it. And the whole point of that book, it was his response to World War One. But the first chapter is the goal of, of our lives is not peace. The goal of our life is righteousness. Peace is a result of righteousness. And if you go for peace without righteousness, you end up with chaos and immorality. And I was like, cheer, wow. cheering. Like, yes, I love that guy. He's basically a philosopher. He was. He was. And I, I love that he was a disciple of Jesus. That's, I mean, that's a, that's a favorite, but also I just love that he was like, he used wherever he was to promote what he believed was good in the world, good for families, good for a nation over and over again. He would compare what's good for a nation is good for a family. What's good for a family is good for a nation. And to him, they were the same. If you're going to be good at home, you have to be good for the nation. And mm-hmm. I, I just loved that about him. I'm, I'm He's a hero. I can't wait to talk to him in heaven. <laughs> I got, I got questions. Those huh? are timeless too. They oh, they're timeless. Every generation. I don't every. think there's a man that hears that and isn't fired up. No, that I mean <laughs> with he what he what was he's in the opening part of his autobiography is a quote that I is it's in my personal vision of the man I want to be. And it starts with justice among the nations of mankind and the uplifting of humanity will only be brought about by those strong and daring men who, with wisdom, love peace, but who love righteousness more than peace. Surely collective effort is needed towards these end. But this end is, oh, oh, and then I forgot after that, is as dust if the cherished values of a family life based on a man, the love of one man for one woman are forgotten or something like that. It like... And then he says he says the phrase with um with soul of flame and temper of steel. I'm like, who talks you're a what who talks like that? Soul of flame and temper of steel. I'm fired up now. Let's let's go. <laughs> no, you're like, give me a give me a boxing match. I'm you're a, a punching bag. I'm ready to go. I'm ready to roll. Um yeah, that, that that is when we met. I remember I remember that. Um there were a lot of books. I actually was just listening to a podcast between Lex Friedman and Ben Shapiro, where Ben Shapiro said he reads four to five books a week. And um, I'm like, I thought I read a lot. I think I'm going to have to step up my game, cancel everything. Yeah. It's time to just step up the game. I'm like, how do you do that? And I, told, I asked my dad, I was like, what do you, how does he do that? And he's like, he probably reads like he talks. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah you, he probably uh... does. You recommended East of Eden to me. I think back in October, right before you left, and I'm halfway mm-hmm. done. I don't know how he reads four to five books a week. I don't know. My brother told me that he reads the first chapter, the last chapter, the first paragraph, and the last paragraph of every every other book he reads. Uh-huh. So maybe he does that. Maybe he doesn't. You're only halfway through East of Eden. I am. I got I, I got caught up uh, with one of my studying seasons, and then. It's a, it's really good. It is such a novel though. It's, mm-hmm. 
it's a grind to get through the first half. But you were telling me the second half is where it really heats up. It's where thing, things start to come to fruition, and you start to see how. Um, what's oh, what's that? What's the main character's name? Caleb. Is it Caleb? Yeah. Where Caleb? No, is that Samuel. the youngest brother? Is his name Caleb? Yeah, it's Caleb and oh, I forget the other brother's name. It wasn't Joshua because they were talking about Caleb and Joshua. Because mm-hmm. uh, the first two brothers are Cain and Abel. And anyway, he starts to really start to become a good man after he has that conversation with his dad and with the uh, Asian servant. Who's I mean, I need to reread this book. I remember reading it and thinking, "Wow, I love this thing." Men who can overcome their desire to sin. That's what the book is about. Can a man overcome his desire to sin? And it plays out generationally. That's what that book's about. Fantastic. Love it. I'm reading this one right now. It's called Last Stands. Subtitle, Why Men Fight When All is Lost. It's a philosophical and spiritual defense of physical courage and masculinity. It's basically a short history of wars where men were like, We've got nothing left, but we're gonna we're gonna stand our ground. And the opening chapter is a history of the War of Three Hundred. Uh-huh. And I didn't know this, but if the Spartans paired up with the Greeks, if they did not stand their ground at that at the at they, those gates to face off Persia, Western culture would have never flourished. That that battle saved what became. Western civilization. That's so interesting. Isn't that amazing? And I think that's how you and I started bonding, was just a mutual love of history. Yeah. Yeah, that was. Yeah, that was. That was exactly what it was. Because um, you said you like American history, and I was like, oh, I love yes. American history. Yes. Um, but we're not here to just talk about all those kinds of things. I would love to hear. We got together for lunch one time, and I had I was about 20 minutes late because I was trying to find a parking spot. What was that Mexican restaurant? I was trying to remember. It was in Cherry Creek. Uh, downstairs. Machete. Machete. I was, had incredible chips and salsa. Yes. Um, I was like, I couldn't find a parking spot. But we got together for lunch and you had said, I just love, like, it's, you said it's good for guys to get together and share their stories because those are powerful. Yeah. And they're encouraging. And you had, you had asked me my story, and I was like, no one's asked me my story in a long time. Yeah. Wow. Um, so, Brian, the question's back to you. Dude, what's your story? How did you end up where you are right now? So that's a, that's a, that's a good question a wise man once asked. But uh, <laughs> So I'm from New York originally. You mentioned it from the East Coast, right outside New York City. And... Um, just grew up with an absolutely amazing family, you know, really blessed with, uh, two parents that were really strong, still married today. And the thing that they always preached to my sisters and I was just be close with your family cause you're all you have. So, mm-hmm. you know, to this day, like I'm still extremely close with all, you know, both my sisters and my mom and my dad, I talked to pretty much every single one of them at least once a day. <clears throat> so, Do you really? Yeah. Yeah. We'll talk wow. on the phone you know, once a day, but we have like a family group chat that's just always blowing up. Everyone's just, whatever pops into our brains, we just pop in that group chat as well. So it's, it's, it's wow. I love that. 
Yeah, it's a, we're a tight-knit bunch. Um, so really blessed with a good family. And then I went down to Philadelphia for college, um, studied business down there. And then once I graduated, got a job with an investment firm. Um, and I was doing a bunch of analyst work, you know, looking Which at- Which investment firm is in Denver, right? So it's based out of Philadelphia. Oh, that's uh, right. So it's based out of Philly. And I was doing a lot of analyst work, uh, looking at, uh, it's kind of boring, but like asset allocations and stocks, basically the stock market and how it was impacting our clients. And then- The know, stock was- market has never been boring to any man who's ever lived. Except maybe my pops, but yeah, yeah. Who doesn't love a good stock? Who, yeah, stonks as the kids are calling them now. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, you know, I built up a, a reputation of going doing good work, and then you know, I was really blessed. My company asked me to move out to Denver to help start the office out here because you know we serve a bunch of clients in in the Western U.S. and you know, as my boss uh, was the leader out here, and then you know, he kind of handpicked me to move out and open the office with him in Denver, so. We moved out here in 2018 and man, it's been such a whirlwind and looking back on it, I know that it was God pulling me out of a season um, of just living like an absolute knucklehead, you know, like most, <laughs> most 22, 23, 24 year old guys are doing. I think it was just the yeah. story of, you know, I was out a lot. I was drinking a lot, partying a lot. Um, and I think God said, all right, I've had enough of this or you've had enough Mm. of this season. I'm going to call you to a place where not a season of isolation, but I think God called me out of, you know, the city lifestyle and the East coast lifestyle and brought me to Colorado and it really just mellowed me out and Mm -hmm. it got me focused. I should have mentioned, I also grew up with faith. So I grew up Catholic. Yeah, that's right. I was going to ask, I was like, I'm pretty sure you grew up Catholic. Yeah. Yeah. So I went to Catholic school kindergarten and through my senior year of high school and so i had always believed in god i've always known about jesus i was saved when i was 16 or 17 but i had never felt a connection with god i had never wanted a relationship i felt like it was very rules-based i felt it was almost like a job a tick box kind of thing i went to church on sunday and you know now i'm good for the week so it was very much uh, a part of my life and not my life And so I felt like God brought me out to Colorado to refocus my priorities and Mm -hmm. get back in touch with my, with my faith. And it's been an unbelievable journey, just finding Mm -hmm. Red Rocks. And as soon as I fell in love with Red Rocks, COVID hit. (laughs) (laughs) Ah, COVID. As soon as I was fired up to, you know, get back into community and join you know, an intramural sports league with the church, you know, COVID happens. And it was so interesting because I feel like COVID broke a lot of people and a lot of people Mm -hmm. took five or six steps back during COVID. Mm -hmm. But I'm so convinced that the only reason I was able to survive COVID was because my relationship with God. And like, that's when I feel like God lit a match in my love for him because Mm. Um, I was back in the word. I was hungry for the word, studying it. And it was so Mm -hmm. tough because I feel like everyone was really craving community Mm -hmm. during COVID. And I knew I wanted to find a group of Christians that were going in the same direction that I wanted to go in life. And so once the lockdown was over and we were able to hang out again, that's kind of when I dove into volunteering Mm -hmm. and you know, started leading a group at church, leading a guy's group here and just 
you know, really just running full speed after God. And I think that Red Rocks did a really good job. At least it was, it was the young adults ministry. I think the theme of 2021 was to find community. And I just mm-hmm. embraced that a hundred percent. It, it literally changed my life. So good. Have you told Connor that? I have not. No, Actually, uh, he needs, he needs to know that. Cause that was like his big thing. If he could do, if Connor could design a church, like his perfect church, it would be exactly kind of the way that YA does stuff. Great preaching, great messages, community. That's it. Those two things. Yeah. Like those two things that it would be that, that would be it. No, no other fluff. No, nothing. I'm like, I love that. I'd love that. So you should, you should tell him that. Cause that would, that would mean the world to him. Yeah. I'll tell him mm-hmm. on Thursday when I, or not this Thursday. Next time there's YA, I'll pull on the side. Is there not YA this Thursday? Not this Thursday. Oh, of course not. It's Easter. Easter. Duh. Yeah. Duh. I'll pump up his ego a little bit. <laughs> I guarantee he'll be like, dude, that's cool. Glad to hear it. <laughs> He's a and that'll be it. He's that'll be all. Guy. That'll be he it. Cracks me up. He cracks me I up. Lo- you got to love him. Yeah. Got to love him. So, okay. There is a you let me back up a little bit you went to school because how old are you now you're 20 you're about to be 30 Mm -hmm. so when did you move to colorado i moved to colorado right as i turned 25 25 and if i remember right hope you don't mind me reminding you of this you said you went to church for how many years and you sat in the back and didn't talk to anybody it was the first year so I moved to Colorado towards the end of 2018, September of 2018. And Mm -hmm. then I knew I wanted to get back involved with the church. So I went to this one other church nearby, wasn't really a good fit for me. And then I found Red Rocks. And so I started coming to Red Rocks at the beginning of 2019. And then so I sat in the back for, I guess, a year and two months right before 2020 yeah without really get without really doing much you just you just came no listened came listened and i was so bummed out like i remember leaving every thursday i'm like why am i not making friends why is no one coming up and saying hi to me and then looking back it's so obvious because i wasn't putting in any effort you know yeah and i know that with the volunteer group that's a very heavy emphasis is go find Mm -hmm. someone that's sitting by themselves and say hi to them it is yeah and i've actually done that a couple of times where I'll go, you know, find a guy that's sitting by himself and introduce myself, say, Hey, I'm Brian. You start, you know, two or three minutes of small talk. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. then there was one time a guy came up to me and said, Hey, I just want to say thank you for coming up to me because I was about to leave Red Rocks. I wasn't talking Mm -hmm. to anybody. No one came up and talked to me. Um, You know, not to say that my conversation like saved his relationship with Red Rocks, but it makes a difference with people. It makes a huge difference. It does. Well, the reason reason I ask is there's a lot of guys, you go into church and you're like, yeah, church is kind of an intimidating place. So intimidating. It's also like, how do you how do you meet people who feel like they've been here forever? Mm-hmm. And so if you're like, you are anyone who's listening, you go to church and you're like, you're in Brian's spot where he was several years ago. You're like, I can't talk to anybody. I'm just going to sit here. It's like, okay, that's fine for a season. Eventually, though, you're going to need to find a way to meet some people. Best way to meet some people is to join the volunteer team or to lead a small group. Or join a small group. 
Yeah, uh, like you're gonna have to eventually you're gonna have to do something, but it's okay for a it's okay for a season. And then when you do start volunteering, don't forget where you came from and go talk to the person sitting alone. That stuff sure. matters. For sure. It matters a lot. Um and, and the thing you don't realize also is people are so eager to say hi to someone who doesn't have a community or it's their first time mm-hmm. at a new church, but mm-hmm. it feels like from the outside looking in that it's very clicky. Everyone knows each other. Like you were saying, you've been coming here for 10 years, but it's not always the case. I've seen people that have started volunteering and then three months later, they're plugged in and have such a good community surrounded, surrounded around yeah. them because I don't know my experience is at Red Rocks. I can't speak for everyone else's. Anytime that I've you know like looked for community, I found it. I haven't run, mm-hmm. really run into anybody that's wanted to or I've wanted to grab coffee with or lunch with that said no to me. So it does take a little bit of courage no. to step out of your comfort zone. But yeah, if you don't get uncomfortable. You can't grow at all. That's so true. Oh, say that one more time. <laughs> if you don't step out of your comfort zone, you will never be able to grow. That's right. You'll never be able to grow. So you started we made it through 2020 the uh the year 2020 what a year <laughs> and then you you hop back in you started volunteering you started leading a group that's where you and i met and then you kind of just took off from there i know you led the small group then you joined a small group you work in finance what's your life like right now what are you learning what are you giving your energies and efforts to what are you hoping to become I know that was a lot of questions. This, what do you, that was a lot of questions. What are you, what are you learning right now? What am I learning right now? I would say I'm learning most about who God is and, mm. you know, pretty much his character. Um, you know, growing up Catholic, I would say it was just so transactional. It was not personal. There was no relationship, but the season that I'm in right now, just being surrounded by so many good people in the church is just, I'm working on receiving God's love and just learning who he is mm-hmm. because it's so easy to get discouraged reading the Bible and not understanding. Cause it's, it's a, it's a hard book to understand, Yeah, but through spending time with God and really just exploring who he is. And a lot of it's just asking. It's a lot of time in prayer. Just, Hey God, would you show me who you are? Would you show me your face? Would you show yeah. me your love? Like he, he'll answer it in a, in a heartbeat. And I remember the prayer I said one time when I was on, on my way to YA, you know, to serve, having a, a lot of trouble, just understanding who God is and accepting that even though I've made a lot of mistakes in my past, like I'm loved more than I'll ever know. I was just like, God, would you just show it to me? Would you just show it to me through community? Would you show it to me through worship songs? Would you show it to me through your word? And man, it's just been like the floodgates of heaven have been opened in my life. Just, I understand who he is now. And I'll, I'll always be learning about who God is until the day I die. But it's just been, man, season after season of, there's been hard seasons and, you know, really vibrant and successful times in my Mm. life since I prayed that prayer. But just the Mm. one thing that's been consistent is God's just been along with me every step of the way, showing me who he is. And the thing that I'm learning also is that this life is not about like what God can do for you. It's who he is. And that's where the enjoyment comes from because God can do anything at any time. And I think that I've just found the most peace and the most joy and waking up with joy pretty much every single morning knowing who God is and 
if you yeah. know his heart and if you know his intentions it makes yeah. the failures and the losses and the sickness a lot easier because you just know that he's a good god and he's got a reason for it so that's what i'm learning man okay i got a couple of things to comment on and, and god's character is one of them so i'm going to come back to that one but you also said about the bible it's not an easy book to read and i want to emphasize that the only people who say that the Bible is easy to understand, they, they've they either never read it or they've been reading it for their entire life because it is not an easy book to understand at all. I think that's on purpose. And I've met a lot of guys, the, just the other day I was talking to a guy, he asked me a really, really good question about animal sacrifices. And he, he followed that up with, I know that's probably a really basic question. And I laughed and I was like, Man, that's not a basic question at all. And I proceeded to give him an answer for that took probably 30 minutes to kind of explain. And I only know that because of my profession. I work in church, you know. And no, so like if you are a guy out there and you're like, the Bible, I, I don't read it. I don't understand it. I must be stupid. No, you're not. It's actually a very, very difficult book to understand. And it is worth the effort. Ask God to show you, make some effort. It's worth the effort. And I think it's intentionally hard to read because God's looking for people who will put in the effort to like get to know it. So let it be hard. You got it. Eventually you'll, you will come to know it. Um, But the other thing you said was about God's character. And this, this one's a big one for me. I have it marked at the front of the book of John. There was a, about an eighth month period where I could not get out of the book of John. And because I was, I wrote in there, I'm like, I feel like God is teaching me about his character. What is God like? And that changed everything for me from not just a rules based moral type of God, but like, what is God actually like? What is he after? Who does he care about? Why does he do the things that he does? Why does he say the things that he does? How does he respond when we do things that are not good, righteous, true? You know, those things matter a lot. And if you get God's character wrong, you're going to probably get the rest of your life wrong. You're just shaking yeah. your head. No, it's, it's, it's kind of crazy. So the, the group I am in right now, like I love all the guys that are, you know, four guys give a quick shout out to, Nick, Leo, and Jordy. Uh, but we had like a small group. And one thing that we've done to start the year, to start 2023, is every single morning we wanted to tithe like the first part of our day. Mm-hmm. So before we check a text message, email, Instagram, we try to get into the word as best we can. And then we'll text each other our favorite verse from, you know, book, chapter, and, you know, what it like meant to us. And it's just held us accountable so much. And I've just felt such a noticeable difference in the quality of my life when I dedicate the first 20 or 30 minutes of my morning to, to give it to God. You know, like people think about tithing should be your wallet, which it it is part of it. But I also think you you should tithe your time as well. Mm. You've got the best part of your day. That's funny you mentioned that because right now we're doing the book of John, the gospel of John and man, I just read it. And then, you know, we're going through it again. And it's so true what you're saying. Whenever, whenever I read John chapter 10, like it kind of just makes me cry. Like when Jesus talks about 
you know, like I am the sheep. Like I know my sheep. I call my sheep by name, man. That's just that yeah. just show. That just show. I'm the good sheep. shepherd. Yeah. Yeah. I read John before Easter every single year. I've done that for. Well, this will be my eighth year that I've read it every single year. Really? And right before Easter, Easter weekend, yeah, between Good Friday and Easter Sunday, I read it every single time. What's your reasoning? Well, 2015 was a pretty formative year for me in the Christian faith. You know, I grew up in church and came back to church in early 2014, but really felt like I, I felt like I became a follower of Jesus in late 2014, early 2015. Uh, So salvation aside, I got baptized and professed Jesus Christ as Lord when I was like 13. My dad baptized me and, but I became like a follower of Jesus and actually allowed him to be Lord, you know, in late 2014, 10 years later, uh, right before I turned 23 and then into 2015. And I remember just every weeping, every church service, I've messed up my life so much. I'm so happy to be here. Like I, I like weep (laughs) and I don't know, Easter weekend of 2015, I'd been back in church for at that point i moved from texas back to colorado to be part of red rocks and that was january of 2015 so i had been in church at that point like four four and a half months back in church every sunday for the first time in five years five or six years and i just decided i'm i went to easter services on friday on saturday and on sunday um and decided that, that I'm just going to read John. And the first thing that stuck out to me was John chapter five, uh, the man who had been a paralytic for 38 years. And I remember my dad had gotten me this NLT Bible. I underlined that and I said, it's never too late. That's what I wrote. I'll ne- just never forget that. It's never too late. Yeah. Um, and I read the whole gospel of John that weekend. At the time, that felt like it was a lot, seven chapters a day. That was felt like a lot at the time. Didn't understand most of what I was saying. But I've just kind of kept it up, and that's because that's my that's my favorite gospel. Yeah. Like hands down, favorite gospel. I Carrie Job had just come out with a song called "Forever," and I went to Easter service with my parents that year also. So I went to four Easter services total, and my parents' church Jeez. and Red Rocks played that song i was like (laughs) tears down my face like a little little sally but i guess that's what when when god like touches your heart and brings you back home Mm -hmm. who cares at that point you're not worried about your masculinity or your toughness you're just glad to be home and it'll it'll change it'll actually make you into a real man is what it will but yeah um i I love that you guys are reading john john 10 10 yeah. Life abundant. Life abundant. One of my uh one of my favorite parts of John is John chapter nine, where you know the disciples are walking and there's a blind person and the disciples say, you know, they ask Jesus, you know, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was made blind. And mm-hmm. Jesus responds, he says, Neither this man nor his parents sinned. 
you know, that's not the reason that he's blind. The reason that he's blind is so that God's glory will be revealed. Mm-hmm. And for me, that just was kind of a little arrow that I'm using now when people say like, why does God let bad things happen to good people? Like, why does God let bad things get happen to good people? Yeah. Which I think is a really valid question. And I think it's, it is very valid. It's very, it's, mm-hmm. I think it's the biggest question or the biggest thing that keeps people from accepting Jesus as their Lord. Like, why would, mm-hmm. why would God let this happen if he was a good God? Mm-hmm. But, you know, it says in Romans that all things work for the good of those who are called and mm-hmm. all things work for the good of God and those who are called according to his purpose. But I mm-hmm. do think that God lets bad things happen so that he can make them whole. And then, you know, Jesus yes. heals the blind man. So, you know what my follow-up question is all, almost always? It's something along the lines of like, why does God let good things happen at all? Everybody pays attention to the bad things that happen to supposedly good people. Why does God let good things happen to anyone? Because he's good. That's a great, that's a great, great question to ponder. Yeah. Why you does know? God let any, anything that's good happen? Yeah. Yeah. And like, why don't we switch? Why don't we switch up the little? Yeah, but he does allow bad things to happen. That's true, and that's a that's a mystery. Mm-hmm. It's a mystery. You were talking though before we even hit record about God's truth. Do you want to rehash that? Yeah. All right. Yeah. So you're t- you were saying like you're getting to a place where the only thing you can do anymore is speak the truth, specifically what God says is true. What did you, what did you mean? Yeah. So it's something that's been happening really recently mm-hmm. and it's no secret that there's a revolution happening in our culture mm-hmm. that there's no such thing as absolute truth. Your truth mm-hmm. is your truth. You live out the way that you want to live out your life. And we've taken it like to the extreme. To the total extreme. Yeah. And so I just think that one thing that's God's been putting on my heart very, very recently is to be a vessel for his truth. And to be honest, like I, I still think I'm a baby in this field, but mm. you know, I feel like I'm hearing God's word very clearly now. And I feel like he's put on my heart. Like I want you to speak my truth. I want you to first know my truth. I'm not just going to give it to you. I want you to explore it and I will help you, but you have to be in my word and know what I say is true. So that's something that I'm really praying for is, for, for God to show me his truth, but then also for the courage and boldness to, you know, speak out because I don't think that this is going to end well for society, having relative truth and our own truths. I think it's bad for mental health. And I think that, <coughs> sorry. Um, I think human beings were built to have, you know, like we need guide rails. And I think for me, that's what my relationship with Jesus is, it's just, it's just guide rails and how I make all my decisions in life. And so, you know, there is one set of truth and that's God's truth. And I think that, you know, he's just been putting on my heart to speak it recently Mm. and not to care what people say, or, you know, if it offends people, you have to, you have to preach it in a, in a way that reaches people that's empathetic, but you have to be firm. You're not trying to be intentionally offensive. No, no. But yeah. I do think that God's word offends a lot of people. And that's why Jesus is oh, yeah. for so long, for forever. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a, it's a weird thing about, so yes, uh, truth makes people, fe- people know 
they know they know what when truth is spoken and they know when things are they can tell when people are more moral than they are you can actually like feel it in your body mm. and when you meet somebody who's more moral than you you instantly feel judged even though they haven't done anything yeah. which is a weird feeling you're like why do i feel judged right now yeah what are they do- what are they doing to make me feel judged Th- nothing they haven't done anything you you're, there's something in your spirit that knows um it's a, it's written about in first peter too he says like they don't participate with you so they malign or you don't participate with them so they malign you um so it's unintentionally offensive but that's just light chasing out darkness mm-hmm. um is there anything in particular with god's truth that you're like focusing on or is it just kind of like generic kind of general you're learning yeah i mean i do think that just the way that our culture views like sexuality right now and yeah. um you know it gets a hot topic but i think the way that our culture views sexuality and you know i was listening to a podcast um recently and it was it was a preacher at i forget which church he was at but you know he was talking about homosexuality and he said why do we have the tendency to only focus on homosexuality if you look in the bible mm. there's like 19 sexual sins so you know there's it's a, it's about a lot of incest and it's a lot about cultural sexuality and like why are we only focusing on one branch of it we should be calling out all sexual immorality as well mm-hmm. so you know that's one where i'm still leaning on god and asking him to give me his truth and then yeah. you know, courage to speak it out then there's truth in general. Like I feel like there's so much with society right now that, um, you know, like social media tries to push on you. The news tries to push on you. Just a lot of negativity as well. Yeah. Like with things that are happening in the war and with markets and, you know, it is a lot of doom and gloom, but at the end of the day, like we have to remember that God's in charge. And so, um, so yeah. The sexuality one is is in is an interesting area because you could use the truth to condemn people. I feel I feel like like kids especially. I feel for kids. Kids are malleable. Yeah, their brains are very plastic. You can get them to believe pretty much anything. Yeah, and any adult that's pushing, they I it's child abuse is what it is. Yeah, for sure. That's um, a big one for me. You know, like, so like, how are you gonna? But you can't condemn a kid. You shouldn't condemn anybody with the truth, but what you can do is paint a, paint a better vision of what it means to be like a human being in God's good world. No doubt. I think that's, and it will, I think it will have the same effect of um, cutting through the, the lies as people, cause you know, like there's people who use it to condemn, like, ah, you know, you're a sinner. You're not living up to this. And they're like, whoa, you've, you've cut them off already. Most people need a, a Augustine wrote about this in the fifth century when he wrote the city of God, he opened it up with these poor, um, he was talking about sexual sin in, in Rome and these poor women were in his church for the first time and no one had told them that their life could be something more than being a cult prostitute. Hmm. No one. They, they grew up believing that their entire life was cult prostitute live in this little weird sanctuary and people would come in and do their thing. And if you want to know what cult prostitute is and what it was like in early Rome, you can research it. It was awful. 
there were animals involved and other things like it was awful. And Augustine was the first person to tell all these women like, oh, there's there's way more like your sexuality could be very could actually be sacred, not common. You know, we there's like the sacred secular divide. It's actually the sacred. There should be a sacred common divide. Um, some things that are sacred should be protected. Yeah. Things that are common are just common to all people, you know? Yeah. And so I think we could paint a better vision of what a human being could be better because you're more than a, we're more than a sexual being, far more than a sexual being. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And right. people just will cling to it as their identity, but mm-hmm. that's not your identity. That's your identity is who is and who God says you are. Yeah. Jesus offers a better identity than a sexual one. For sure. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you were talking about how we paint this picture to people. I think that, you know, you can convict somebody versus condemning somebody. I think convicting mm-hmm. is the better way to do it. And yep. it's all about, it's all about the tone and where you're coming from. If you're coming from like, I'm judging you and you're wrong and I'm, you know, yeah. I'm a better person than you. It's, you know, like the way that I would approach things is like, Hey, I am, I think Paul says that of all the sinners, I'm the worst, you know, yeah, yeah. There's, there's nothing like, I don't think a sexual sin is worse than a non-sexual sin. I think, yeah. you know, they're all equal in God's eyes. Like a sin is a mm-hmm. sin. Um, yeah. Let's say to flee, you know, sexual sin as much as possible. Yes. But you know, the way that you frame it to someone is, is everything. Like if you're coming at it yeah. from a place of love because you care about them and you want them to be corrected, how do you not receive that in a positive way? Like, how do you take that as an offense? Yeah. The, well, yeah, man. Mm-hmm. I had some thoughts, but, um, I had some thoughts, but they escaped me all, all of a sudden. Don't you hate when that happens? Lose your train. I lo- Dude, I lost my train of thought and, I think so for guys though, I've got an episode coming up in the future. It's when I started writing, I'm doing a series called things in your way, things that'll keep you from being the man you want to be. Right. And porn is one of them. Mm-hmm. And, uh, cause if you are a man and you are running around with thoughts in your head, angry at anything, LGBTQ plus all that, and you're watching porn, knock it off. You're a hypocrite. Exactly. That's what like, I'm saying. Stop. Like, all sexual sin is it's all yeah. equal, you know. Yeah, I just felt like I gotta say that for some some of my listeners. Like, you're mad about one sexual sin that's public and has a flag. If you're watching stuff on your computer, you shouldn't be watching. You're a hypocrite. You're and don't be bad. don't be a hypocrite. Yeah. Knock that stuff off. You need to get that out of your life. Smash your computer if you need to. <laughs> Like I smash your computer or tell somebody get covenant eyes. I'll gladly be your administrator. I'm the administrator for several, several people on covenant eyes. Like mm-hmm. you need that stuff. Um, all right, we'll move on from the, we'll move on from the sex talk. Cause so, so, somebody's in their car feeling a little like, Ooh, um, huh? I agree. Let's, 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 let's keep moving. <laughs> let's move on. Um, Brian, uh, I ask this question to every guy that comes on here. Um, hopefully I'm not putting you too much on the spot, but what kind of man do you want to be? Yeah, I knew you were going to ask me this question and, Hmm. you know, 
when you first asked me to come on the podcast, I really, really thought about it. Um, mm-hmm. And I've listened to some of the other guys you had on and such good answers, like very mm-hmm. articulate and thought out. Um, and I wanted to do something like very clever as well like that would stand out and be recognized. But yeah. every time I kept coming back to it, what type of man I want to be, like the only word that could come into my head was this strong and strength. Right. I, I love think, it. I think it's so basic and so, mm-hmm. um, it doesn't sound like it's well thought out, but I think it is. Mm-hmm. So for me, there's six pillars in life that I want to be completely at my best in and just so strong in, and, and, and yeah. no importance of order, you know, it's physically strong. Mm-hmm. I want to be in shape. I want to be able to, you know, lift heavy weights and run long distances. Scott Galloway, mm-hmm. he's a, you know, professor at NYU. He says that like, all, you know, if you're, if you're in your twenties and thirties, you should be able to lift heavy weights and run long distances. So I want to be physically strong. I want to be mentally strong. Like I want to be very good in my craft. I want to be intelligent. I want to be well-read. I want to read good books, um, spiritually strong. Obviously like this is the most important one for me. I want to be well-read in God's word. I want to know his truth. I want to know who he is. I want to be fishing for men. I want to be preaching Jesus's good news whenever I can. And I want to be, you know, curious and constantly like wrestling with God and growing in my relationship with him. Uh, I want to be financially strong. So I want to, Amen. um, I want to take complete control of my finances because I think a common misconception was you can't be financially strong unless you make a lot of money, which is completely false. I'm, there was, a, Wrong. <laughs> there was this one story I heard. There was this janitor at a school for, um, you know, 30 or 40 years. And he ended up leaving a four or $5 million estate to his children. He was just spending far, far, far less than he was making, which wasn't a lot, but his wow. spending habits were so powerful. So I want to be financially yeah. strong because I want to, obviously I want to live a good life. Like I don't want to have to worry about finances and I want to enjoy, right. you know, I want to enjoy the life that God's given us and you do need money to do that. But more and more recently, I want to be able to be generous with my money. Like I want to be able yeah. to support the church. I want to be able to support people that I care about. And I want to be able to um, pour into whether it's like mission work or group work whatever it is. And you need money for that. So I want to be financially strong. Yeah. I want to be relationally strong. So I want to have strong relationships. I don't want to just have surface level friendships anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to be kind of like seen as a rock for all my relationships, someone that people can come to because I genuinely care about them and I genuinely want what's best for them. I want to give them good advice. I want to be putting effort and work into my relationships because you have to cultivate relationships. They don't just happen overnight. And if you're not giving a hundred percent to a relationship, then I don't think you'll see the type of relationships that you want out of life. And we're human. We're meant to be relational. So I want to be strong relationally. And the last area, which is where I'm trying very hard is to be emotionally strong because as a man, it's very, uh, you have, you know, a lot of thoughts on emotional strength for men and, you know, there, men deal with anger and men deal with jealousy and greed and lust and all the emotions that can quite frankly wreck your life if you don't have them under control. 
And so just learning yes. to myself with good people that are going to hold me accountable and call me out if I'm being prideful or call me out if I'm being lazy or call me out if I'm being mm. whatever that's taking me away from the path that God has for me. So those are the, yeah. the six areas that I want to be strong in life. I love it. That is a fantastic answer. Fantastic answer. I love it. It was very thorough. Somebody go back, rewind, write down those six pillars because those are six solid pillars on areas you should be strong in. I love that. The emotional strength, yeah. That one resonates. Yeah. As somebody who, I don't know where I learned it early on, but for whatever reason, I thought being stoic was strength, mm-hmm. which ended up just meaning when it came to emotional stuff, being hard-hearted. <laughs> yeah. And it's weird how stoicism leads to hard-heartedness. Mm-hmm. And so you still, you don't escape the emotions. You just don't know how to deal with them. So you just get like, you get like tough guy and everybody can tell it like, bro, you're clearly angry and you have no capacity to deal with it. And it's just building up. Yeah, dude, that's That is good advice. That's good advice. I'm glad that you're working on that. We should all be working on that one. Do you have any, how are you currently working on that particular one? If you don't mind, if you don't want to share, that's fine. Emotional? Yeah. I think the biggest part is to have a small group around you, two, three, four guys around you that will hold you accountable, that Mm -hmm. you, you trust that are a safe place for you. But guys that also are not going to enable you and say, oh, your behavior is fine. The way you're behaving is fine. Like You need yeah. guys that are strong enough that you trust enough to call you out when you're wrong. Yeah. And so that's just something that I'm trying hard to practice with my guys group. And, you know, mm-hmm. they're amazing. I've gotten so much life spoken into me by God through them. Mm-hmm. Um, so just being vulnerable with people, being honest with your day and, um, honest with things that you're struggling with um, things that are holding you back because I do believe that God uses relationships around you as his voice. I think he speaks to you through people that he's placed in your life. And so I want, you know, my small group of guys to hold me accountable. And, you know, when they hear about how I'm acting or when they hear about things that are driving me crazy at work or things that are, you know, on my mind with other relationships, like I want them to say like, I don't think you're thinking about this properly Mm -hmm. and you know, they have that permission from me because I know that they love me. Right. Right. Dude, that's so good. I love that. Do you own a punching bag or do you have one close by? (laughs) I don't, I don't, but I do. uh, I do want to start boxing. That's how, so true story. That's how I learned like in middle school, how to deal with some of my emotional stuff. Yeah. Um, and I still to this day, if I have like a tough day, I don't know what I'm doing. My footwork is probably terrible, but I will go, I'll go hit a bag. Yeah. Cause like some, sometimes some stuff can't be talked through. And like when I was young, especially when I was young, I had so many like emotions. I was like, I don't know how to deal with this. I have a 60 pound punching bag. I'm going to go work it out there. Mm-hmm. And even, to, even as an adult at 31, it's still, still very helpful. Um, but then also what you said, having the guys who like, don't let me settle for 
how I am. Call me something. Call me to a higher place. Yeah, yeah. that's so good. And all those all those things are connected too. You know, I don't. Mm-hmm. For me, I think that everyone should take care of themselves physically because, man, if you're taking care of yourself physically, a lot of the problems in your life will not go away, but you'll have so much more confidence to deal with them. Like when you're, I would say that, they would actually go away. Why is that? Uh, because, well, part of it, I have a high view of the body and I think the body is God's gift to let you know what's going on with your spirit. Um, so like, for example, anxiety, a lot of times is a spiritual condition. It's excessive worry. Not, I know there's different variants, but anxiety is a spiritual condition. It's excessive worry about the future stuff you can't control. And it manifests though in your body. Mm-hmm. And a great way to deal with it is through exercise. And because for a moment you're letting go of the future and you're focused on the pain that you're in right now by exercising the physical pain. Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of stuff can actually be cleared up by your body holds on to all the stress you've ever had. So you can pull that out. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, <clears throat> your energy level is entirely determined by your body. Entirely. You cannot caffeinate your way through uh, a poor energy cycle. Like if you haven't exercised, you're not going to caffeinate your way into uh, high energy. You just won't. Your diet is everything. Your diet's everything. And your exercise, your ability to move. Yeah. Your ability to move is huge. It's physical. It's your physical energy. So I, there is a lot that can be solved by taking care of your body. If you are chronically stressed, the best thing you can do is go for a one-hour walk every single day for a week. No music, no phone, walk. You're going to get some exercise. You're going to get some fresh air. It's going to re-oxygenate. That was tough to say. Your body. Hard word. That is a hard word. Which you, you need. If you're stressed, you need a lot of oxygen. But you also need to bring your cortisol down, which you, do, you can do through walking. Walking is actually the only exercise that will bring your cortisol down. Every other exercise raises up your cortisol. So if you're stressed and you do intensive exercise, you're going to raise your cortisol and you're going to be more stressed later. It's actually just going to compound it. It's better to go for a walk. Mm-hmm. This is all my nerd stuff from when I was a personal trainer. <laughs> you're, you're going completely over my head right now. <laughs> <laughs> all I'm saying is you can deal with a lot through your body that you can't, especially if you're a guy, there's a lot you can deal with through your body that you can't deal with otherwise. One of the best things I ever did for for myself my brother and a good friend of ours. So yet hit the fan is the only way I know how to say it for all three of us within a week. Somebody got dumped. Somebody lost their job and somebody didn't get into the school. They were trying to, I won't say who, if they're listening, they know who it was. And it just was like, how are we going to, what are we going to do? And we decided we're going to go climb a 14 or we're going to go do the hardest thing that we can think of that we can do right now. We're going to go climb a 14 or, and we're going to do it early, early, early in the morning. So we started, I think at like 4am, 3 or 4am early, early when it was dark. Cause we wanted to see the sunrise and it was cold and we're going to work through on the mountain. We didn't say a word from the time we started to the time we got to stop. We didn't say a word to each other. 
but we're going to work through our stuff climbing this mountain. We're going to conquer this mountain by, as a group, but as individuals. Mm-hmm. Through, and it it changed the course of our life. To this day, I've had a conversation with everybody on that trip about how that was a turning point in their life. And, and that's the thing, too, about physical exercise. If you're doing a hard workout, you're climbing a 14er, and you're suffering through it. In that moment, everything else disappears, like you were saying. And mm-hmm. then once you make it to the summit or the end of the workout, whatever it is, you realize how strong you are and how much you can get through. And that helps you mm-hmm. with your anxiety. It helps you with your depression. It helps you with whatever you're going through. Oh, I am yeah. a lot stronger than I thought. I can get mm-hmm. through much tougher than what I'm going through now. Yes. And then the benefits that Christians have is I've seen how much God's brought me through. I've been mm-hmm. through way worse in my life. Yeah. And I'm going to get through this as well. So I think all those six pillars are connected in yes. some way, shape, or form. I agree. Absolutely. They were fantastic. Again, rewind, go listen to those and write those down because those are six pillars that you're going to need. If you're married, the only one I would add is family. If you're married, if you're not, if you're single, I mean, you know, stick in, stick it with your parents like Brian did. Brian does, but those are six solid pillars for getting strong in your life. Is there anything you would add before we wrap up this podcast? Um, Man, I would just say anybody that's listening that has a relationship with God, man, just make it the number one thing in your life and amen. relentlessly pursue that and put everything else to, you know, second place and just run after God first. And you'll just see things in your life just start to stack up, stack up, stack up. It's like a domino effect. You take care of your relationship with God and everything else seems to fall into place. And if you don't have a relationship with God, it's you know, it's one of the best things that you can do for yourself. Like I've just noticed myself, like when I gave my life to Christ, um, the amount of peace that I had, I think you said it earlier, you know, you were saved, but Jesus wasn't your Lord. Mm -hmm. And I was the same way. But once you make Jesus, your Lord, the Lord of your life, you just have a peace that can't be taken away. The values of your life just seem so much more manageable. And, you know, I think it's the best thing that any human can do for themselves. So, Amen. God is amazing. Amen. Amen. I loved it. Well, Brian, thank you for coming on. Until next time, this is the Man I Want to Be podcast.